We continue to be blessed by the word of Christ, the word of God. And so we come this night to Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, beginning in the 18th verse. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I suspect that some of us here gathered tonight are a little bit giddy, about presents that are about to be unwrapped sometime uh, tonight or tomorrow morning. And I won't get into the argument with you all about which uh, is better, tonight or tomorrow, even though we all know that tomorrow morning is the right time to do it. (laughs) But regardless of what your tradition is, we're giddy about gifts, In fact, we'll hear quite a bit about gifts. I suspect that the uh, movies that many of us have already begun binging have already been preaching to you all, and I think probably rightly so, trying to help us orientate ourselves away from the consumerism and not worry about the gifts that we receive or get, but just, you know, really hold on to the true meaning of Christmas, you'll hear phrases like, you know, it's the thought that counts, right? And they'll proclaim that the idea of Christmas is so much more. But I'll be a little feisty tonight and say this. I think they're wrong. Christmas actually is about receiving gifts. It's actually about receiving the perfect gift. Now, knowing that the perfect gift has come, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but I also know that gift giving can be stressful. I mean, after all, have you ever received a gift and just kind of cringed? I mean, not because it was a bad gift, but Maybe you cringe because they gave you an iPad and you gave them a scented candle, right? (laughs) And you felt kind of gross and guilty. You know, the stress of Christmas and gift giving sometimes gets really hard and confusing. 
Kathy Morales, a noted blogger and author, writes about that kind of stress at Christmas, and she she talks about what Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, the television show, once noted about gift-giving. He said this, the foundation of gift-giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift, you've given me an obligation. Of course, we'd never be so rude as to like, you know, try and pay someone back, right, when a gift comes. But we feel that, don't we? That kind of sense of reciprocity. Instead of receiving it freely, we, we kind of feel that whole sense of karma that our culture seems to like to talk about all the time. Getting and giving what seems fair, what we deserve. Unfortunately, we sometimes transfer that kind of idea into God and, and the gospel. And before you laugh and say, I don't do that, just remember maybe one of your favorite YouTubers, Mark Rober's Glitter Bomb video, right? Now you know that you've laughed at that video. You know when he, a former NASA scientist and engineer, got frustrated with the thief who was taking packages from his porch and he created a glitter bomb package to put on his porch instead with high-tech video feed so he can watch as the uh, would-be thief opens it up and and his or her home is covered in sticky glitter, right? You've laughed, I've laughed. We laugh because we think to ourselves, oh, that person kind of deserves it, right? And it's a little funny. But what we proclaim tonight, and what I thank God for me and for you, is that he doesn't, God doesn't give us gifts based on what we deserve. In fact, as the scriptures teach us, and as Morales will go on to write, God instead gives us a gift based on what he deserves. Thank God he doesn't give us that gift on what we deserve. In fact, Christmas declares and tells us tonight that God's plan that he has been working out from the very beginning of creation, that he's been proclaiming through the prophets, like we heard Matthew quote from, his plan that he has been planning for us is to give us a new beginning. A new beginning. In fact, literally we hear that in Matthew's testimony tonight. The word for birth in Greek there in tonight's text is literally the word Genesis. And so in one Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God's word brought light and life into the world. And now in this new beginning, this new Genesis, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us and brings a new beginning. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a new beginning after these last couple of years. But not one based on the gifts that I deserve or that you deserve but based instead on what God has done. 
And friends, for this kind of plan to come together, for this kind of gift, let me just say it's not enough to say that, well, it's the thought that counts. No, for a plan and a gift to keep a promise like this, it's got to be something real, something historic, something historical, and something from the very Spirit of God. God brings this gift by becoming the Word made flesh. You see, Christmas isn't just an idea or a philosophy. It's a very Fiable moment in history that changes all of history and your story and mine. I like to go this time of year to investigative reporter and author Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christmas. There he investigates the evidence for this gift. He gives it a a title and a name. He talks about eyewitness evidence first. The kind of evidence that we get from someone like a Jew like Matthew who was willing to lay down his life to give us this testimony. A testimony that reminds us that God has put on flesh. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Matthew as a Jew would never say that had it not been seen with his own eyes if he had not confessed and believed it so. So eyewitness evidence. And then there's what Strobel calls scientific evidence. That's archaeological evidence that that tells us that that there's supporting and corroborating evidence for the the geography and the, the corroborating characters in history that they really lived then at that time. And in that place was real. And then there's what he calls profile and fingerprint evidence. That's the kind of evidence that comes from a profile and a, a, a fit that only one fingerprint can make. He writes this. In the Jewish scriptures, which Christians call the Old Testament, there are several dozen major prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, whom God would send to redeem his people. In effect, these predictions formed a figurative fingerprint that only the anointed one would be able to match. This way, the Israelites could rule out any impostors and validate the credentials of the authentic Messiah. So this real, perfect gift we hear described in Matthew's gospel reveals eyewitness, scientific, profile, fingerprint kind of evidence pointing us to a real gift. In the book, Hidden Christmas, the author writes, everything in the Hebrew worldview mitigated against the idea that a human being could be God. Jews wouldn't even spell the name Yahweh or pronounce it. And so for Matthew to give this testimony, we know that he was laying down his life by telling it. And by the way, if you listen carefully in the reading of, of Matthew tonight, it's not just some fanciful Christmas tale. It's pretty gritty. I mean, did you notice that Joseph had every human reason to doubt 
every human motivation to move on. Even knowing that his betrothed, if she was guilty of what it seemed, in that culture, it could mean death. But he was a just man and he loved her. And when the world was revealed to him through the angel, when the word was revealed to him through the angel, he remained and believed. His testimony, along with others who this word had been proclaimed to, like Mary and and Zechariah and Elizabeth before, dealt with a blow from his own life, a dilemma that he'd have. But his testimony shows us the truth of this gritty story, that the Christ had really come. I mean, Joseph even gave up a cherished right as a father, even as an adoptive father, to be able to name his son by giving him the name that God had commanded him to give, Jesus By the way, it wouldn't have been lost on Matthew who gives us this testimony that God works and speaks through. Matthew, who is a Jew, would have caught on to the typology of what God was doing here. For after all, the the first book of Genesis ends with a guy named Joseph who was sharing grace and forgiveness. And now this new Genesis is beginning And God is working through another Joseph as one of his agents to share grace and mercy. Friends, you can examine this case tonight and in the days ahead. It's a real gift. No mere thought or idea. This case, I contend to you tonight, holds up. The gift holds up to the weight and the reality of the world we really live in. And so tonight, I invite you to take up this gift. This takes us to the heart of the gift. The most important gift we could ever receive. One New Testament scholar points out in this new beginning testimony here in Matthew, this new Genesis, that it's framed by the names of God. That in first century writing, that when something is framed, like in verse 21, we hear the name of Jesus, which is the Greek attribute, but really in Hebrew, it's Joshua. Yahweh is salvation, or God's help, God's salvation. So we hear Jesus' name in verse 21 and verse 23, but sandwiched in there in the center, framed... In verse 23 is Emmanuel. So as verse 21 and verse 25 frame God's salvation, Yahweh's salvation has come. It comes in a very unique way. Verse 23 points us to it. We're drawn right to it. Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas means, as another author put it, that God is not content to be a concept or just someone you know from a distance. He is with us. Christmas is about receiving this gift that God is with us. 
I'll wrap this up with another Christmas story. There's a young man named Gunther. It's told by Edna Hong in her book, Bright Valley of Love. Gunther was abandoned by his parents shortly thereafter the First World War. His body was twisted and so was his mind from that abandonment. Considered by the world to be worthless and unworthy, there would be no reciprocity for him. He didn't have a gift that could equal whatever anyone else could give him or so the world thought. And when he was taken in into what was called Bethel House, a Lutheran Christian ministry that loved and welcomed him as a very child of God. He there experienced his very first Christmas. But Gunther, living a life that included brokenness and hurt, questioned some of these joyful songs that the other children were singing. He couldn't help but wonder, could, could this gift hold up? He said aloud, there, there's a crack in everything. <laughs> Hurt by life, how could he dare believe this Christmas promise? And so drawing close to Gunther, the pastor there at Bethel House, answered his question. He said, it's true, Gunther, there is a crack in everything. And God sees the crack better than we do. And the crack, as it turns out, is even much worse than we think it is. That's why God sent his son from the heavenly home to our earthly home. Not to just patch up the crack, but to make everything new. Are you ready for something new? Are you ready for a new beginning? Christmas declares, like how one author put it, that there is mercy for the broken and those pushed aside as worthless. And as we heard read in 1 John, this has been manifest, this love has been manifest among us. Is God with us. Jesus who came to save us from our sin. From a manger to a cross. God's attribute of love. He's now with us. Christmas declares this new genesis. This new beginning in your life and in mine. We don't need another stressful reciprocal gift. It turns out the best thing you and I can do is just receive this gift. This table of grace and receive it. Friends, are you ready for a new beginning with a real gift in this really broken world? This gift holds up. God calls you. Did you hear it? He calls you beloved and says in this new Genesis, this new beginning, behold, I am making all things new. Amen.